You're listening to a Thorn Creek Weekend Message Podcast. For more audio content and other resources, visit thorncreek.church slash messages. All right, let's pray. God, have your way here. Holy Spirit, have your way in me, through me, by your grace. Use me like you did with Peter and so many others. I surrender myself to you. And, uh, may you be glorified, Jesus. Make this your prayer. Just say, God, speak to me. Can you make that your prayer? Young and old, make that your prayer. God, speak to me. Tell God, open up, open up my ears and and give me ears to hear you, and give me eyes, give me spiritual eyes to see you, God, and soften my heart so I could receive your word. Change me. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Good to hear. Hey, was anyone surprised with the snow that we got last week? Anyone surprised? It took Grace forever to shake all the branches off of our yard, in the front yard and backyard. I was waiting for her because I was hungry. I wanted breakfast. And uh, it took her forever. But uh, uh, it wasn't a surprise at all, right, for Coloradans? Let me ask you this question. Are you expecting God to move right now in this service? I mean, legit. Are you expecting God to give you a word? Are you expecting a miracle to happen in your, in your heart Physically, emotionally, spiritually, whatever, are you expecting God to move right now? Did you come when you drove over here? You thinking, I'm looking forward to church. God's going to move in a special, special way. I just know it. He's going to give me a word, and I'm going through some tough stuff, and I just know it. I can't wait to be at church. Is that where you were at? If we're honest with ourselves, honest with ourselves, sometimes we're not, Right? We're just not. You're not surprised with Colorado weather, but how many of us come to church just expecting God to move? I'm sharing a story today about that, and, and um, if you're just joining us, we're in this really, really cool book called the Book of Acts, and Acts is found right after the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's the first four books in the New Testament. And Acts is a story about Christianity. It's, it's the unleashing of the Holy Spirit, the unleashing of the church. Everything's birthed through that. The author of Acts is this guy named Luke. He's Dr. Luke. And he's the guy who wrote Acts. He wrote it to a guy named Theophilus. And he just kind of, you know, the first four books are really a biography of Jesus. And they're, they're, they're shared in like four different angles. But, but Acts is all about this, this, you know, this unveiling of the church. And interestingly also, Luke is the only guy who's not a Jewish uh, person. He's not a Jew at all. The only person in the New Testament only person in the New Testament that's a non-Jew author, writer. He's the only one. He's a Gentile. And what I want you to, want you to hear is Luke chapters 3 through 5, they're like all connected. So we're going to look at uh, chapter 3 and we're going to read through some verses. But it creates problems. There's a miracle that happens and it creates problems. And it, it just it spills over into chapter 4 also. So if you really want to check it out, you read after chapter 3, read chapter 4 as well. Um, because it, there's all kinds of persecution that happens. You know, sometimes good things happen in our life and it creates problems for other people. And that's kind of what happened here. So we're going to jump into it. Verse 1 says this. Um, chapter, yeah, chapter 3, verse 1 says this, Peter and John, say Peter and John with me, P Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the 3 o'clock prayer service. So 
Peter and John, these two guys are going to church, okay? These are the guys who saw Jesus. These are the guys, and they couldn't be more different. Peter's outgoing. He's gregarious. He's impetuous. He's opinionated. It's been said he has to reach into his mouth to tie his shoes. I mean, that's just who Peter is. John is serene. He's contemplative. He's reflective. He's tender. He's the one who leaned on Jesus on his chest at the, at the Lord's Supper, at the Last Supper. They're just two guys who are completely different. Isn't it cool how God uses us even when we're different from each other? It's a beautiful thing. And they're partners, These two guys, they were in the fishing business together. These two guys helped prepare the last Passover. These two guys ran to the tomb. And in chapter 8, we discovered that these two guys also minister to Samaritans. So they're buddies. They know each other. And then Scripture says that they showed up to to pray at what time? I want you to help me out now, church. This is not a dog and pony show. I like it when you talk to me. So at what time did they show up to go and pray? Three o'clock. Oh, look at that. Thank you, Terry. Uh, Three o'clock. So this right here, other versions will say the ninth hour. Now, a typical Jewish day started, Dan, are you okay? Did he yell in your ear? (laughs) A typical typical, uh, Jewish calendar or Jewish day starts at six o'clock in the morning, and they go to church two times. They go to church at six in the morning, and they go to church at three o'clock in the afternoon. And there's, there's offerings that are still happening during this time. It's really interesting that Peter and John show up not during the offerings times, because that's Old Testament. They're still doing that. He shows up when they are what? When they are praying. When they're praying. Verse 2 says this, as they approach the temple... A man lame from birth, whole life, was being carried in. Couldn't even walk. Someone had to carry him. And each day he was put beside the temple gate. Each day. Not on Saturday nights at 6 o'clock or Sundays at 9.30 and 11. Every day he was put by the temple gate. And the one, the one called the beautiful gate, that's the name of the gate, the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple, going into the temple. A little, you know, this guy's being carried, and, and, and when you read this, why, why, what is he doing at the gate? Is he, is he going into church? He's at the gate. He's at the front. A little bit about this, about this gate, Josephus, a Jewish historian, said, described the beautiful gate like this. This gate on the Temple Mount was made of fine Corinthian brass, 75 feet high with huge double doors, so beautiful that it greatly excelled those who were only covered over with their silver and gold. I think about this guy who was carried in. That's pretty humbling, isn't it? Someone has to carry you. So bad, someone carries him. People, no doubt, the guy was, you know, probably needed two, three, maybe four people to help carry him. And they put him in front of this beautiful, beautiful gate. Brass, Corinthian brass, and he just sits there, and all he does is he begs, and he just, he's not going inside, he just, he has this real problem. I want to ask you a question. Have you ever had an ugly problem in a beautiful place? You ever had an ugly problem in a beautiful place? You know, you live in a beautiful home, you have a great job, a great place, you're married with 2.5 kids, and you have a dog named Boo Boo, and everything looks good. But boy, if you spend a night at my house, if you were there in the evening, 
the grass looks good, but you know what? If you looked behind the automatic garage doors when nobody was around, and if you looked into my bedroom, you ever, you ever had an ugly problem in a beautiful place? Beautiful place. The lame man was at a beautiful place with an ugly, ugly condition. He had no expectation to get healed. No expectation to heal, get healed. It's interesting how our, our bodies compensate when we have conditions. Um, I saw this video recently. This gal is uh, Mandy Harvey. She was on America's Got Talent. And Anybody see this gal? So she, she, uh, she became deaf at the age of 18, and now she's right around 30 years old. So from 18 to 30, she had to learn to sing again, and she actually, you know, in the video, she takes off her shoes, and she's barefoot on the stage because she has to feel the vibration of the music to know when to go in and when to sing. I mean, I can't sing, and I'm, I'm not deaf, but she, she, she can sing, and I'm, I'm looking at this, and I'm thinking, That's a, the body is an amazing, amazing thing. When you have a problem, with, for those people who, who go blind, what happens? They have the, an amazing ability to hear, don't they? They just hear everything. They hear things that you and I who can see probably miss, but, but our, their body compensates for that kind of thing. Let me ask you this question. What do you do when you have a problem so long that it becomes a way of life? When you just have lived with this problem so long, it becomes a way of life. There's a huge difference when I, I counsel a woman who has a good marriage, who's going through a tough time. A woman who's just, you know, who's just, you know, good marriage and a good home, just going through a tough time. <clears throat> There's a huge difference with that woman and a woman who's a single parent woman. You know what I'm talking about? This woman over here, she has a toughness about her. This woman over here is used to life being hard. She gets up and takes care of the kids and then takes care of herself and feeds them and takes them to school and she goes to work then and then makes arrangements for someone to pick up her kids because she can't be there because she's at work and she's taking her lunch bag because she can't afford anything much anyway and all of her money is going to the kids and she eventually gets off of work and go picks up the kids and, and goes to the grocery store because there's nothing to eat at the house and then goes home and then helps them out with their homework and cooks for them and and takes care of the dishes, and takes care of vacuuming, and takes care of the laundry, and in between that, she changes the oil in her car. She does all that. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about, but others of you know exactly what I'm talking about. There's a toughness that comes with someone who lives in a condition for a long time, not by their choice. Isn't it funny how a problem that is allowed to persist in one area of your life will eat through like cancer to other areas of your life until everything is affected by one thing. Been there before. T.D. Jake said this, if you don't fix that one area of, if you don't fix that one area of immorality in your life, it will eat through the rest of your life and become a spiritual epidemic in your life. You'll eventually be compromising doing things that you never thought you would. If you just live with it. If you just live with it. You ever lived with a problem for a while and you just adapt to it? 
You know that friend who uh, their door handle doesn't work in their car? So you have to go on the other side of the door. Every time you get in their car, you got to go on the other side of the door. And the window, the, the window doesn't roll down. Or you got to grab it with both hands to pick it up. You know what I mean? Because the button's broken. You just live with it. How many times do we just live with a, a condition or a situation? And we just say, it's just, it's just part of me. Just part of me. I think something happens. And I'm thinking about this lame man over here. <clears throat> Someone brought me a cane. I think what happens is when we start limping around and, and we start doing this and, and we start, we just adapt our life around this. We may still go to church. We may even read our Bible. But we spend our whole life like this and we'll talk about the joy of the Lord and we'll talk about this. Now, I'm not talking necessarily physically, although it may be physically. I'm talking about emotionally and spiritually or whatever it is or something, some sort of personal thing, condition that we live with. We live with that addiction. We live with that anger. We live with that lust. We live with whatever it is. And we just live like that. We just live like this. The enemy wants you to carry this around your whole life. Your whole life. He wants you to carry this around your whole life. He's okay with you coming to church. doesn't bother him. He's okay with you coming to church. But he doesn't want you to cry out to the name of Jesus. That'll change things. This beggar was showing up with his condition. Someone had to carry him. Showing up like this, over and over, coming to church all the time, living like that. You don't have to live with that spiritual condition. <clears throat> you don't have to have a spiritual limp. You don't have to live like that. Turn to the person next to you and just tell them you don't have to live like that. Can you do that? You know what that is. You know what that condition is. You know what I'm talking about? That thing that just you just carry it with you everywhere. And you know what? You've gotten used to it and have adapted to it, and it's just part of your life. And you don't even think about it anymore because it's just kind of you. It's just kind of you. This is who you are. It's a lie from the devil. Verse 3, look what happens. So you got Peter and John, these two rock stars that are going to church. And Scripture says this, when he saw Peter and John about to enter... He asked them for some money. He didn't ask him to be healed. He didn't ask him to take me into church. What was he thinking? I need money. He was so used to his condition. So used to his condition. It wasn't even a prayer request anymore. He had given up. Wasn't even think about it. He goes to church, and what does he go to church for? Not for healing, but for money. Because if he has money, then everything changes. How many times do we say that to ourselves? If I only had more money, then everything would be different. If I only had this job, everything would be different. We can make the same mistake. We can make the same mistake. We can attend church with no expectation for a miracle. No expectation for a miracle. You know, I, I never want to be part of a church where nothing is happening. You know what I'm saying? I want to go to church where something is going to happen. 
<laughs> Something's going to happen. God's going to move in a special way. And I'm going to church and I want to see it. I want to be a part of it. I want it to happen to me. I want to see her. I want to see him. Something's going to happen because we're at church. I don't want to go to church where nothing's going to happen. Good night. The weather is beautiful. Go to the mountains. Don't go to church. Be part of a church where something's going to happen. Something that you could never, ever see anywhere else because God's people are coming together and there's going to be someone who's going to turn to God, turn to Jesus with all their heart. It's going to be a beautiful, there's going to be some miracle that's going to happen. Expect something to happen. The greatest miracles of your life will happen on the journey, not the destination. <clears throat> Peter and John, they're just walking around and they're getting ready to go in the church and what's happening? There is this guy who's saying, hey, give me some money. Why are they going to church? They're going inside church. They're going to go inside to pray. You think they expected this to happen? Do you think they expected? Isn't it beautiful how beautiful God is? The timing of this man to show up at church and he's sitting down and Peter and John, they show up to go inside church, but on their way to their destination, something happens. Something happens. And the greatest miracles of your life will happen on the journey, not the destination. You'll be on the journey, and then you'll experience God in a way you never thought you would. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you'll, you'll experience God. You thought your situation was a temporary situation, but you found God in it. You thought you really needed that destination, but you discovered something more beautiful along the way. You thought that was the crown jewel, but something happened on the road, and you discovered God's grace and his love and his presence, and all of a sudden, that crown jewel doesn't have the sparkle that you thought it would. Is this making sense to anybody? You hear what I'm saying? You're on the road, you're going somewhere, and you're thinking, God, I want to get over there, I want to get, but on the road, all of a sudden, <laughs> it's like you start a church and you lead a church, and you discover it's nothing about the church, but it's all about my heart. You know what I'm talking about? <sighs> I'm just testifying to you right now, God. This, uh, this has nothing to do. You just happen to be on the journey. You thought that time when you didn't have the job or this problem that you were going through or this situation you're going through, how hard it was. You're like, if I can only get to the other side. But on the journey, you discover the grace and love of God and you see him in a way you never have before. The journey's way better than the destination. It's way better. Don't pass by an opportunity to touch someone's life in the name of Jesus. Peter and John weren't expecting see the beggar, <clears throat> but they couldn't, they couldn't just walk by him. Sometimes when we see someone who's, who's begging and you see him at the, uh, you know, I, I have mixed feelings. I'm just going to be real with you. When I see people on the, on the internet, especially when they bring their kids involved, I think, well, come on now. Anyway, <laughs> I, I see cardboards and stuff. And what do we do? Like if you're at Chick-fil-A or whatever and you see, you know, you know what I do if I, if I don't feel anything? I'll just, I won't give them eye contact, right? I'm not going to give them eye contact, 
Or maybe it's not a beggar. It could be someone at work or a friend or someone at church or someone at school or someone you live close to or whatever it is. And you know they're going through someone. And you're like, you know what? (laughs) I'm so busy. (laughs) I'm so busy. I'm not going to give you eye contact. See, it's not about the room. It's about the gate. It's not about the room. It's, it's about the gate. And verse 4 says this, Peter and John looked at him. How? <clears throat> Eric, you coming up here, brother, for a little bit? <clears throat> Take a couple of steps up here so they can see you. Because if I go down, I'm so dark, they won't see me. (laughs) Thank you. You're good. You're good. That's it. I just wanted to look at you. He's a good-looking guy. (laughs) Looked at him intently. You ever looked into someone's soul? You ever done that? You're like uncomfortable. You're like when you know someone's looking at you. I got to be careful because people tell me all the time I look at them and in their souls. I'm like, all right, I don't want to freak you out. (laughs) But you look into someone's eyes and you can see the hurt, the pain, the anger, the darkness. You ever look into someone's eyes and see darkness? You look into someone's soul and you see they just need Jesus. Peter and John looked at him. How, church? Peter said, look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly. And what was he expecting, guys? What was he expecting? You know what he's thinking? This is going to be big. They're going to give me some serious greenbacks right here. I'm going to get some serious cash right here. They're going to give me a whole Chick-fil-A meal or something. I mean, this is going to be really good. They're going to give me a lot of money. This, I hit the jackpot. Here it comes. Here it comes. <clears throat> But Peter said, I don't want any silver or gold from you. I don't have any silver or gold for you. But I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. There's a crowd around them just checking them out. Just watching the whole thing. There's something about the name of Jesus. Now when he says the name of Jesus... Everything about what he's saying is about the authority of the name of Jesus. It's about the person, Jesus. He's not saying in my name or in Peter's name or John's name or whatever. He's saying in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. Get up and walk. Get up and walk. You know, <clears throat> you put yourself in the in uh in this guy's shoes for a little bit. We're gonna see he's been in this condition for a long time. Okay? He had to be carried in. Have you ever like um <clears throat> slept on your like like your your leg not slept on, but your leg falls asleep or something when you're sitting down? And you know, and you walk like this, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, have you ever done that before? And you're like, you know, you know, and you're trying to do that. This guy's been in this condition for a long time. 
Here's what I want you to know. God will ask you to do things that you could never do on your own. God will ask you to do things that you could never do on your own. He told a man with a withered hand to stretch it out. <laughs> he told a paralyzed man that came through the roof to get up and pick up your bed too. And he told blind Bartimaeus, come over here. <laughs> he told a dead man to get out of the tomb. God will ask you to do things that you will never believe you can do on your own. God, you don't understand. <laughs> I've been in this condition for a long time, God. You're asking me to rise up and walk. Verse 7 says this, Then Peter, and Peter took the, man, the lame man by the right hand. <laughs> Look at the boldness of Peter. Peter says, In the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, get up and walk. But then he reaches out, and the guy's just like sitting there, so apparently he's not moving. But Peter has his faith, this bold faith. He's been changed, and he reaches out, and he says, yeah, give me your hand. You know, I'm going to help you. To, I'm going to help you up. You don't think you can do it, but I know you can do it through Christ because I just commanded you in the name of Jesus to get up and walk. And he gets up, and he gets his hand, and he, and he, and he just holds him up, holds him up, helps him up. And, and then it says, and as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. This is Dr. Luke talking. It's the only time you see in the New Testament the word feet. It's a medical explanation. It's talking about the, the, everything's coming together. It's a, it's a miracle. It's happening right here. And it is getting up. And, and, you know, a real encounter with God will, a real encounter with God will make the dysfunctional functional. A real encounter with God will change your life completely. A real encounter with God. A real encounter. This guy, it says, go back to verse 7, will you? It says, and as he did, the man's feet and ankles were, what church? Were instant, like, bam, just like that. Just like instantly. There is, I mean, just, that's how God can, that's what he does. That's what he does. Verse 8 says this. He jumped up. <laughs> this is so cool. He stood on his feet. He began to walk. Then walking and what church? <laughs> and praising God. He went into the temple with them. He goes to church with them. He goes to the church. I can't imagine this guy's just like sitting down and you know what I mean? And he's like, oh, I got to get my, my cane over here. <laughs> he's sitting down and he's just wanting money and saying, give me money. And then he says, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And, he get, and, and Peter helps him up and he gets up like this. And scripture says, he's like leaping. He's like, yeah! <laughs> he's so excited. You can't hold him down. He's leaping. <laughs> like when God touches you, like I don't care what people think. I don't care what people think. Jesus is alive. You know, you can't argue with a transformed life. You can't even argue theologically with a transformed life. No atheist has a good argument for someone who's been delivered. <laughs> 
You can't argue with a heart that's been changed by Jesus. This word leaping literally means continually springing up. Continually springing up. (laughs) It's this idea of gushing, gushing, gushing. One Bible scholar said it like this, the word leaping up describes the coming suddenly into socket of something that was out of place, the articulation of a joint. Isn't that good? Something that was dislocated, something that wasn't working, and all of a sudden, instantly, (laughs) you think God knew his problem? You think God knew his problem? You know, God knows your life. He knows your condition. He knows your needs. He knows the prayer on your tongue before you even say it. You think God's ever surprised with something you say? Like, God, I need this. And you think God's ever like, whoa, I had no idea. Thanks for bringing it to my attention. You think God's ever surprised? God knows your need. God knows what's going on in your life. He knows your heart. He knows your thoughts. Even the thoughts that you don't share with anyone else. He sees everything and he loves you and he cares about you. Here it is. Here's the crowd. Verse 9. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. When they realized he was the lame beggar they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. Astounded. Everybody knew this guy. You know how old this guy was? Chapter 4 tells us, For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. We don't know exactly. We just know he was older than 40. How long has this guy been in this condition? Do you remember what we read? whole life. His whole life. Undoubtedly, this guy was around when Jesus was around. Jesus may have walked right by him. But he had a purpose. God had a purpose for him. This is so important. I want you to hear this. Somebody needs to hear this. Hear this. God's timing is just as important as as God's will. God's timing is just as important as God's will. Well, how long, God? How long, God? How long, God? How long, God? Wasn't the right time. Wasn't the right time. See, God wants you to be faithful even in the season that you're in and trust him. This miracle right here launched Christianity because when he said in the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene get up and walk when you turn to chapter 4 you know what they're what they're saying the, the religious rulers you don't ever 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 talk in the name of Jesus again you don't ever ever speak the name of Jesus again 
You can talk about any other name, but you don't talk about the name of Jesus. It's still powerful today. It's a glorified name today. You don't believe me? At work, just write really big on the dry eraser board, Jesus, and see what happens. You don't believe me? <clears throat> just post Jesus. Or yell it out at King Supers. Just do it. Just do it. Why is the name different? Because it's a glorified name. There's no other name higher or more glorified. And the demons shake over the name of Jesus. There's nothing more powerful. When you pray, at the end of your prayer, you say, I pray this in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Where am I at, guys, with time? I haven't been paying attention. <clears throat> I got 30 more minutes, guys. We're good. <laughs> I wonder, let me just close with this, guys. Let's look at chapter 4. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of our people, we are being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man. Hmm. You know, there's some people in your life that are okay with you being crippled. There's some people in your life that are okay if you never turn to Jesus. There's some people that are okay with that. Have you recognized how your problem, you, you become associated with your problem? Oh, there's him, he's the, there's she, she's the, there's him, he's with, there's her. Our problems, you know, people associate our conditions with us. Your truest identity is who you are in and through Jesus Christ. That's your truest identity. <clears throat> are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you want to know how he was healed? Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed. Let's read it out loud, church. By the powerful, come on now. He was healed by the Keep going. There it is. It's evidence right here that Jesus was a Nazarene. He wasn't a Baptist. He wasn't. No, I'm just kidding with you. I'm just totally kidding with you. It's a joke. <clears throat> By the powerful name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, meaning he's from Nazareth. You know what? The other thing about this whole idea of the Nazarene, you know why, why, why this is such a, talking about rubbing people the wrong way? Because in Scripture, when you look at the Gospels, they said nothing good comes out of Nazareth. Nothing good comes out of Nazareth. It wasn't New York City. It wasn't L.A. You know what I'm saying? It was Commerce City. <laughs> I just made friends right there. <laughs> it was Thornton. There it is. <laughs> it was Westminster. Whatever. It was like Nazareth. Nothing good comes out of it. And he just says, by the powerful name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, the man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. For just for Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures where it says, the stone which the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. 
Guys, we're going to read verse 12 out loud. This is a great verse for you to memorize because this right here verse tells us that it's not, it's not Muhammad, it's not Buddha, it's not Joseph Smith, it's not any other religious figure. Let's read it out loud. There is salvation in no one else. Come on. God has given no other name under heaven no other name under heaven but what about no other name under heaven <clears throat> Jesus said in John chapter 14 the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father but through me through me no other name under heaven <clears throat> Can I get our prayer partners to come forward here? So here's what I want to do. Some of you, um, you came to church and you have a condition. Maybe it's a, well, maybe it is something physical. If we have something physical, Pastor Jeremy has anointing oil. I want you to come over here and he's going to anoint you and pray over you that God would heal you. Maybe it's something that nobody can see, but you know that condition. You know what that is? You got it in your head? I want to ask you to do a bold thing because Peter reached out. And that lame man who'd been lame for over how many years? 40 years. Reached out his hand. I think there was some faith in there, right? I think there was some faith. <clears throat> so I know this is, this is a, I know I'm pushing you out of your comfort, but that's okay. The lame man had a crowd around him and Peter had guts. <clears throat> but I want to invite you to come forward and pray up here and bring this with you and, and, and tell the person up here, hey, I want to be set free from this. Here's what God wants to do with you today. That's what God wants to do with you today. Are you down for that? <clears throat> Jesus, thank you for your love and your grace. Oh, Jesus, I'm so grateful for you. There's no one more powerful that we can cry out to. Right now, I, I just believe you've been moving in hearts here, God. So you know what needs to happen. Stir hearts, Lord, just like you did that, uh, that lame man, just like you did with Peter. And we just turn to you right now. If you need to ask Jesus into your heart, you know what? Um, you can do that, too. You can come forward, and someone will help you with that prayer. We love you, God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, would you please stand? Each year, thousands of Thorn Creek Church messages are downloaded for free. This ministry is generously supported by Thorn Creek Church members and listeners like you. If you'd like to support this ministry, please consider making a tax-deductible donation by visiting thorncreek.church/give.